One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is episode 19, 18? What was last week? We did two last week. I don't remember. I'm counting them both, even though one's lost in the in the dark ages of podcast purgatory. It is uh, it is the John Kuhn podcast. Six U's, if you're looking for it on iTunes. It's much easier to just find it on Wisconsin On Demand and WTMJ and all the many places where you can listen to the icon, the folk hero, the Pro Bowl fullback, and the... I don't want to say brewer. What are you, a beer aficionado? You, you, you know, your your Twitter is really entertaining. I enjoy following you. I've followed you for a long time. But you posted, like, a picture of your, like, garage fridge. Is that what that was? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it. Most people call it a beer fridge, but it is generally located... <laughs> In the garage. Mine is a uh, mine is a sparkling ice fridge. Oh, okay. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, shoot. It's Twitter. It's fun, right? That's what it's meant to be. I wouldn't say I am a uh, what, what do they call them? an influencer. I wouldn't say I'm an influencer by any means. I feel like you need to tweet way more than the average uh, that I'm putting out there. For sure. But I mean, isn't this? People have been telling me all the time. You got to get on social media. You got to do it, man. You got to show the people who you are. And you know, these are fans wanting to see a little bit more of you so hey a big thing going around the other day was this zilly zilly zillion beers thing if uh you know a couple i didn't know what that was did you find out what it was mm, oh you didn't you didn't no. look into it yeah. i just looked at your fridge and moved out of my life oh okay well i mean a couple of my friends from barstool sports are doing a thing if they can sell they they got this slogan called zillion beers life or something like that and if they can sell a million dollars of merchandise a hundred a hundred thousand is going to this thing and and uh the guy's going to donate fifteen thousand to um als awareness and research and for okay. a, a, a kid whose father had als to to run a marathon and things of that nature so there's some good things that come out of it obviously a lot of it's just barstool line in their pockets but they're right they're good friends so, of, you're so smart but they're good friends of mine so i don't mind popping in a good you know zilly zilly comment so as that. as i look at your beer fridge uh i see a um mike's hard lemonade okay yeah uh i see is this johnny blood red yeah uh that is from a local brewer here oh yeah title town i believe yeah uh i see corona okay uh lime optional i see lineys i see schaffhofer schaffhofer i'm not not even gonna butcher the name but i know the beer it's a it's a it's a a grapefruit beer grapefruit beer 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 uh door county cherry wheats Splitty? Split oh that's a great one. That is a great is one. Is that a hinterland beer? What is that? Yeah, that's a that's an amber ale. Okay. That's a, that's a nice amber uh, ale. Uh and then the one that got my attention, there's a bunch of other ones here. Torpedo, Spotted Cow, which yep, everybody yep. loves. Mm-hmm. Uh some people gave you a hard time for having white claw in your fridge. 
Listen, I have explained on this podcast before. I'm the guy who sits down at the restaurant and orders something different every time. I'm the yeah. guy that sits down. Sure, that was and, on the episode that was lost. Yeah, though, so and, and, and I also sit down, and I will order a different drink every time. I don't just pick a drink out at the beginning of the meal and stick with that the whole way through. I switch every time. So, uh, And there's like a bunch of variations of Sam Adams, so you're apparently a big Sam Adams guy. It was just a variety pack at the grocery store. No big okay. deal, but, but I'm going to try them. So the one that caught my eye was purple haze oh yeah that's, tell me a little bit about that's purple an, haze. that's an abita beer that's from new orleans i caught listen i caught some new orleans fire down there in the brewery of abita and it just it, it, it it's a great great brewery that has all kinds of good ones they have purple haze they have turbo dog just to name a few it's it's good. It's good stuff. And up here, it's very hard to get. But every now and then, you can roll into Woodman's, grab some Sixers. Um, I caught a lot of flack for not having my PA beers on there. See, the trouble with playing at three different teams is people want you to rep all three different territories yeah. that you played in. And I'm catching a lot of grief S for not having Rolling Rock from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Because <laughs> we had training kind camp of a there. Thing there. Still, yeah, or I see light from Pittsburgh or, or Iron City just in general. So I listen, I love those beers too. Everybody out there, I love them too. I just, it, there's only enough room in the beer fridge and you got to be able to get the stuff so is this is this we'll talk football we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff but I, i'm fascinated by this because is this a fully stocked beer fridge or is this if if this was a gas gauge which as i learned this week tausch runs all the way down to e um where would the gauge be on the fullness of your refrigerator well, right now. let me just say it's never full because, uh, of, and I even said this on, on Twitter, if it's a full beer fridge, then it's just a trophy. It's not actually a beer fridge. Yeah. So it can't be full. Okay. If, if it's full, you're not doing your job. Of drinking it. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. So, so, but so, where is it so, in relation to where you would, if you if you wanted I to. I think it's at a really great spot right okay. there. It, it is. I mean, can I throw a little bit more variety in there? Of course. But Rolling there's not, Rock. There's not a whole lot of space. Iron City. And if I fill the space, then I'm inclined to have to drink it because I can't just let it be a trophy. So I think it's in a good spot. It's over halfway full. It's just sitting there. I mean, it's, So it's just over half. And it's got a great variety. It, it, listen, people. People condemned me for the seltzer. People acknowledged the seltzer, and we're very happy to see it. People condemned me for the Bud Light. My mom would oblige. She loves coming over, and that's the only thing she drinks. So I, I listen. It's a perfect. It's in there beer for fridge. my mom. It's a, no, well, listen. It's a perfect beer <laughs> fridge. It's got something for everyone. You don't like beer? Mike's Hard Lemonade. Here you go, sweetheart. So uh, thank and you, that honey. Was that for you. <laughs> so, so if if. You were to, this was my question after examining your refrigerator, uh, if you were to brew your own beer, A, is that something you'd be interested in? And B, what would you call it? Like, I came up with a few ideas. I, you know, being I'm an idea guy, trying to help. Um, I personally liked uh, a few of mine, but I'm sure that you have had plenty of suggestions and plenty of opportunities. Is that something you might do? Are you a beer, not snob, aficionado? I wouldn't say I'm a snob or an aficionado. I'm just an appreciator. I, I appreciate beer. <laughs> an appreciator. Is I'm that, a beer is drinker. That, is that the word appreciator? No, that works. I okay, think that yeah. works fine. So, so I, I, I enjoy beer. You know, I, I do. And I enjoy learning about it and knowing the different things about it. I'm definitely not an aficionado. Or I don't know, you know, for wine, it's called sommelier. Yeah, it's you're the beer, beer version. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, 
But I've thought about this. I've thought about doing now. When I was playing, you couldn't you couldn't link to alcohol, right? tobacco, or firearms. <laughs> nice. You couldn't you couldn't link. You're right. To Charles Woodson went yeah. through that with wine. Yeah. So you you could not link to any of that stuff. So you had to kind of you kind of had to tiptoe through the waters. And you know we got a lot of breweries up here in Wisconsin. We got a lot of you know uh, people that in, enjoy beer themselves. So so. I mean, maybe there will be an opportunity someday to do a beer. What would I call it? Oh, I'm I'm open for suggestions because I. Okay, would, so I gave you four. Did you like any of them? Here are the four that I gave. I gave Coons Pale Ale, which I was kind of proud of. Full-bodied, full-back lager. Lead block Bach. And uh, I would like to point out that I don't know how any of these types of beers taste, so I'm not very helpful. And the Shippensburg Stout. Do you like any of these? That, I like Shippensburg Stout because back in the day. Guy? Well, no, back in. Well, I mean, I, I again, I'll try it and I'll do it and I'll <laughs> drink it. But uh, Shippensburg Stout sounds a lot like the first name of Shippensburg University, which was Shippensburg State. That's what everybody called it for a long oh, time. Really? Shippensburg State, and all the way through probably the mid '90s until it turned to Shippensburg University it, on the official name tag. It was Shippensburg State for the longest time. So I like Shippensburg Stout out of those. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be like something with the lunch pail, lunch pail ale, or something Ooh, to that. That nature. rhymes. Yeah, I like it. I, I think. I, thank you. I just can't. You know, <laughs> we're brainstorming maybe here I, on the John Coon maybe podcast. I thought about this once or twice. Um, all right. So, which beer did you sit down with as you watched some XFL football over the weekend? What did you choose from your vast collection? as you took in the D.C. Defenders or whatever you watched from the XFL? Well, it, I, again, I, I can't pick one because I don't know which one. Because I, I, I pick a different one. Every sure. time, you know, okay. Every time I go out, I, I just kind oh, of, where, where am I at today? Boom, I go with that. But I did check out the XFL. Did you check out the XFL? My schedule did not allow. I'm going to be a oh, week two gosh. guy. Listen, hey, okay, you're going to be a week two guy. So mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll have to wait for next week's podcast. Or I'll just listen to Wildey and Tausch on Monday and hear you drill. Lots of XFL Did Mark talk. watch XFL? Uh, no, Mark was stranded on a How highway. How did you guys even talk? Because the XFL was the news this weekend. It how really did, was. How did you guys right. even? How did you even fill? I saw some your, highlights, oh, and and Winston Moss fired his defensive coordinator it after was a fantastic. game. Fantastic! That is what's going to keep the XFL alive. Moves like this. Now, so you have no take on the XFL. So that's going to make this conversation no, really I've got great. Takes. I, the, information has never stopped me from having takes. No, one of the things that I liked, and I saw, I went to social media because I had missed it. We had some third grade basketball, and then we had a foot injury to our dog that we had to deal with is a whole thing. Do you have uh, DVR? Yeah, I didn't think I had <laughs> I mean, Which is listen, really the is, problem. But job. I have Twitter. Okay, I get that. So I saw video. I saw guys being interviewed after they screwed up. Oh. And they're on the bench being interviewed. Oh, oh you've just been benched. Let me tell you. How does is, that feel? This is what I actually hate about it in comparison to normal football. But it's also what's going to make the XFL great. It, things like this that differentiate it from the NFL is what's going to keep the power of it alive. Because if we go just with football talent and product on the field, it's not going to go too far. Correct. That's what you see is what you get. But if you have these neat little differential things that they have with 
interviews on the sideline and different rules to one foot on the sideline equals a catch, but in the field of play, you need two feet and a football move for it to be a catch. Like these little, I mean, stuff like that, people are going to eat up. And at the end of the day, it's still football in the dead zone of sports season. Right. This is the dead zone. Perfect time. This is the perfect time. Now, I, I don't know how they got such perfect weather last weekend with it being the middle of February in D.C. and New York and all these places. The weather looked fantastic. But, uh, yeah. I, so you're an XFL appreciator, much like you are a beer appreciator. I, I will say this. I tuned in. I didn't watch the whole game of any game that I tuned sure. into. Okay, this is how I'll say it. If I'm going to be at my house and something's going to be on my television, that was perfectly fine. That's that's what I picked for Saturday and Sunday when I was in my living room. However, I, I will not say, oh, I got to go watch the Galaxy's this. playing right. today. I got to go watch the Galaxy. And I don't even know. Is that a name? I'm not sure. The Vipers are okay, a team. Yeah. Um, the Wildcats. That's but if the, it's, but if, but, if, but if I am home. You'll turn it on. It's, it's going to be between that and what golf tournament. If the golf tournament has a, enough of the big names, I'll stick with the golf tournament. Okay. And, if it's, and if it's not, then. Shoot, I can, I can watch XFL. It's good enough to watch. And like I said, the, the little nuances that that Vince McMahon and and the WWE bring to it is just enough to to really, okay, it's enough to stay on the television. But I don't know. I don't know if it's enough that. And here's another thing: Triple A baseball is great to go watch in person. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are you going to watch it on television? Probably not. Okay. Um. But at the same time, I'm looking at Winston Moss firing his defensive coordinator after a game, and that gets headlines, right? I mean, people notice it. It's gonna, yeah. It's I, I don't want to say that's wrestling esque, but it is a little bit. Uh, interviewing, you know, can you imagine uh, MVS drops that first deep ball? What was it, the Bears game or the Washington game that Rodgers yeah. throws right in his breadbasket? Yep. Mm-hmm. Would have been a 55-yard gain or even a touchdown. Can you imagine coming to the bench and there's MVS, or better yet, there's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, you put that ball right where you wanted it, and MVS didn't catch it. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it, to me, the 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 purest of of football thoughts. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want. But. This isn't this isn't football. This is this isn't NFL. This is XFL. So this is what you're going to get, and I think that is going to continue to drive it. It's going to drive the intrigue. It's going to drive. It's going to drive storylines. Uh, I mean, just the fact that there's you can listen to the offensive play call before the play happens. There was a couple times. I'm standing there, I'm like, all right, well, I get to watch what the play is because I know what the play is going to be. Right, right. And and these are real terms. These are real NFL names of plays that they're calling out here that I'm watching. Right, and And for those of us that didn't play, that's that's the kind of stuff that I really want to see. That is pretty cool. That I'm interested in. That is pretty cool. I, I, I mean, I agree. And and that's why I think there's enough intrigue that, that it can stay. The next few weeks into the, the season, we'll see, but... I do think I do think it has a chance. Now I'm not knocking watching it on television. I'm just it's just not great football. So uh, a couple things. First of all, um, I it sounds like they had a great first week. Now they did. can they sustain? And will people tune in for week two? They've got they, they've done a great job of lining up. And I don't know what the financials are, but the AAF had kind of crappy TV deals. They were basically paying to be on TV. 
Here we're looking at, you know, ABC had a game, ESPN had a game, Fox Networks all had. So you're you're and you're using like real announcers. Like Kirk Menefee is on NFL on Fox's pregame show, and he called a game. That's what was amazing. I I heard Greg Olson on, and I think he was with who was he with? Greg Olson? Not sure. He was with an he was with another. Play but Joel play. Klatt did a game. He was with another play, and they were fantastic. I mean, they did a tremendous job. So, the 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 television networks and the XFL in general have done a good job making a made for television right. event. And and as long as we're calling it that, I'm 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 going to buy it and I'm going to watch it. I told you I I did watch it last weekend, and I and. I enjoyed it just enough that this weekend, if I'm at the house, I'll turn right. it on again. ESPN obviously has put in resources. Diana Rossini, who's a pretty well-known face of their NFL coverage, is part of that. I mean, they they have committed the one, to the it. The one thing I do like, the, the the one thing that I do in relation to the NFL is you, you're finding out a lot of these young guys, when they make a catch or when they make a play, you find out this guy came out of this such and such a college and, and uh, ran this at the Combine, and this is the team that he tried out for, and he made, he was on their practice squad and then he was released the next year like you get a short story bio on each one of these guys throughout the course of the game which i really appreciate and think is neat because there will be one or two of these guys that next year are playing in the nfl Oh, for sure the scouting department's definitely watching crushing the film on this and there's going to be a few of these guys that next year and it's just i just love hearing guys stories because i know my own and i know some of the other guys that that have come along the way like tremont williams and Mm -hmm. and it just you hear these these stories and you just think man these are really cool so that's the part that i really enjoy is finding out each one of these guys some of them i knew like like matt mcgloin the quarterback from penn state is now right. you know leading an xfl team right and there's a bunch of guys that have come through green bay that are in the league in these eight teams so a couple of other aspects first of all you touched on what i was headed for i just want to know how long it's going to take for j ron elliott to to start making some plays in the xfl is he playing in the xfl i, I don't I don't think so. Because he just, everywhere he's ever been, whether it's the AAF. He is the biggest mystery player I've ever covered. I don't get it. Why does he not get more opportunities? He made plays here in Green Bay all the time. He made plays in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. He made plays in the AAF. I just, I want to know how long it's going to take. Because he couldn't hold the S. He couldn't make plays when he wasn't making plays. When when J. Roan Elliott starts making plays in the XFL, that's when it will have arrived. So, it's, I, I agree with you. I'm, again, I'm the guy who I like preseason because I like finding out about those guys and I like seeing them try and overcome the odds and I love the post draft mini camp when these undrafted free agent guys or tryout guys like Lucas Patrick who ended up making the team eventually oh, yeah. and now got an extension you know come as a tryout invitee and then doesn't even get a call back right after the draft after the the rookie camp. So I love that part of it. The other thing, though, that I want to ask you about is because we made a couple of references to the NFL. I don't think you will see in-game interviews with players on the bench. Not happening. But in what ways can this be an incubator for the NFL to test some things out? Because remember, that overhead camera that has become such a fixture of NFL games that we have come so we've gotten so used to, that started in the first XFL, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. there, there are – this is, seems to me to be a great thing for the NFL. It's not competing with their games. They can get some guys that come out of it, and most importantly, they can test out two-point, three-point conversions and stuff it, yeah. like that. It'll be really neat to see um, 
obviously the rules they will they will take a look at, especially with the kicking, with the kickoff situation, the way that it is. Guys lining up at the thirty-five, the return team at the thirty. That you got to wait for the guy to catch the ball. The ball has to be kicked in the field of play. So they're encouraging returns and not touchbacks, but yet they're also encouraging safety of the game at the right. same time. Like right. That that to me is something that the NFL has done a great job PR-wise telling us they're making the game safer, but I don't know if they have really have made the game much safer or better with the rule changes as much as they want us to believe. With uh, equipment and things of that nature, yes, but I'm not sure about the, necessarily right. the rule or changes. Or 17-game season. Yeah. Um, as an old special teams guy where you made your bones for a good portion of your career, um, it would seem that the XFL's version of kickoffs um, is almost meant to be more punt-like. It's very much more punt-like. And that is a, there's less high-speed collisions. That's the yeah. the benefit of that, or am I wrong? No, that's what they want. Um, it's going to be really interesting the way because there's no spatial separation on that kickoff team now. The way that they're lined up, 35 versus 30. On on a normal kickoff team, you have really fast guys. And right. then you have guys like me. I'm not saying what I am, but do you have guys like me and really fast guys? So there's separation, okay? <laughs> so we don't come down in an even wave at the 35-yard line. There's holes that you can puncture as a kickoff return team. Right. So this is going to be... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the plays get designed to attack this kickoff team versus other kickoff teams. Um, that's just the first thing that I see. Um, and I don't think it's any less entertaining than a normal kickoff. Do you? I, look, is there when somebody returns it's a kickoff different. for a it's touchdown? Not as, it's, it's different. It's not as high uh, anxiety. It's not on the edge of your seat, per se. But you sit there. And you're waiting for one of these to just break through that right. that that line of people. There's not a wave of people; it's a line of people. So it's still it's exciting. It's like Red Rover. It, yeah, it's still exciting. I still enjoy watching it. I do think that one of the most exciting plays in football is a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah, uh, and, and we see them fewer and fewer. And I, I will say that. this: a kickoff return for a touchdown with the old kickoff, where the guys are lining up at the thirty, running through the thirty-five with the kicker. That's the most exciting play there is because it's a it's an army running on the battlefield this way and an army running on the battlefield right. this way and one just rolls right through the other one. Uh, to it's like the, Mel Gibson is yes, leading them it's to the goal line. So that is the most exciting. But but it's you, also the most dangerous. But if you are going to make the game safer, which I believe the XFL is showing that they can make it safer, but still keep entertainment value. They actually made that play safer while keeping entertainment value because. You can't kick a touchback because if you do, it's at the 35-yard line. You can't kick it out of bounds because if you do, it's at the 35-yard line. So they actually made it so that you have to have some sort of entertainment on the play. Right. And it's much, much safer. Um, one other thing that I read that they did, I did not see it firsthand, was that they, they really integrated the wagering aspect like they had the over under line and stuff like that incorporated into Love that. Love that. I wonder I mean look, the NFL is obviously embracing it, right? They've got some role now in daily fantasy, etc. There's a bunch of states that are allowing sports gambling. How do you gambling. pick a line for a sport I that's no never idea. that's never existed? They yeah. were predicting this line and darn it, they were pretty were good. They? Yeah. They were pretty that darn good. That surprises me. It surprise does it surprise you? 
It well, I, I I'm not a Vegas guy either, so that's part of the problem. Do you have one vice in this world? You yes, now admit it. Okay, yeah, you've told us that before. Um, uh, there's a reason. Well, I that's a away. boring vice. <laughs> I'm a boring guy. I, I'm, I don't think that comes as a surprise to you either. Uh, a couple of things from the NFL realm um, because it is it's kind of the dead time. The scouting combine is coming up in a couple of weeks, but one of the things that was in the news this week was. Miles Garrett being reinstated. Now he was suspended without pay for the remainder of the season after the helmet swinging incident against Pittsburgh. I personally thought that that was sufficient. Um, would you have forced him to miss more time now in 2020, or do you think he paid his penance? Well, I will say this: I I do believe it's sufficient. I do believe everybody deserves a, another chance. You know right. and. You know, Miles Garrett, there's a lot of hubbub and talk about him. He's regularly a cheap shotter and does some things of that nature and, and, and that's that's just that's just kind of what people say about him. But I don't care. He he struck a guy in the head with a helmet. That that's a he violent can't do that. That's a violent, violent affair. But he did miss the rest of the season and it was an indefinite suspension. So they never even told him if they were going to make him come back or let him come back or how that whole thing was going to go down. They just kind of left it up in the air. Hey, you're not playing. Go on home and don't take a paycheck with you. This is just what's going to happen right now. So I do think it's sufficient. Now I have heard a couple philosophies that if you were to really make a statement here, like you say you want to do, if you really want to make that statement that you're not going to do this. Listen, who cares who starts the fight? Fights happen all the time in the NFL. Who cares who did this or did that? That, But the one thing you can't do, where, where a line finally got crossed to suspension points was when a helmet got swung. If you want to make a statement that this should never, ever be done again in the NFL, then you let everybody know, hey, we this this was something that got forgotten about, and then we got to the offseason, and then we reinstated them. No, this is something that got forgotten about as the course of time and the rest of the season went on. We had this great playoff stretch of great football. The, the great Andy Reid and Kansas City Chiefs won us all this stuff on a high note. Yes, but we're not going to sneak him back in underneath all those great things. We're going to let it be known for just one more game that we're that this was completely unacceptable, and he's going to stay suspended through the first game of next year. So here's here's my question because it, very rarely do helmets come off, right? Unless you're AJ Hawk, who miraculously his helmet would pop off a couple times a game, right? Um, I don't think there's many instances where you end up with a helmet in your hand. And you're really pissed off at that time, right? Like, okay. I guess my question for you is, um, what's the angriest you ever were on the field when you got cheap-shotted in some way or whatever it might have been? Because, and I'm not justifying his behavior at all. He needs to have the self-control to not use the helmet as a weapon. But I can also see being so blinded by rage and how rarely you end up with someone's helmet in your hand that he did something a thousand percent wrong. I'm not saying that it's it, it, it's kind of like for me, 
as a parent, like when the girls were babies, I never shook them. I never, but there were times where they just would never stop crying and I would lay them down and I had to leave the room because I could see someone who didn't have control of their emotions, how you get to that point. I, I didn't get to it. But I could see other people. Well, you got to it. it. You just chose a different avenue. Right. You chose a different because avenue. because I had that impulse control, whereas yeah. other people maybe don't. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I don't get what you're asking. So what here. I'm saying is, is that it's not okay. He deserved to be suspended. But I think it's really easy to make him into a villain and not realize. You know what? I bet there were times when Wait, I was. We're playing. not making him into a villain here. No, he, he is, is a, vill- a villain. <laughs> you're right. He, you can, you, you can. Um, no, he is a villain. You're right. But I think what I'm saying is, is were you ever angry enough on the field where you would have had to really check yourself had you had a helmet in your hand Listen, to make sure you didn't use it? No. No. Okay. okay. I, I've never swung a punch at another guy on the football well, field. Well, punching is stupid you know, when guys I, have I, helmets on. Like, That's just You're just smarter than most. And I understand football is a violent physical game where you cross the line at times and i'm cool with i'm I'm okay with the line getting crossed okay just not that far but that is that's not just crossing the line that's jumping over it with uh, a weapon uh, yeah it's uh, i mean that that was just in my mind that was a really really bad moment for miles garrett that was a really really bad moment for football in general and 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 I, but I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to come back. I'm just saying, right. let's not lessen what he did. Let's see what he did. Let's learn from what he did. Let's fix it. But yeah, people do the, the impulse control that you just talked about. If he would have controlled his impulse and chucked the helmet in another direction, right. he like wouldn't Kyle have got, Turley. Yeah, he did. wouldn't have gotten suspended. You know, he would have maybe gotten suspended one game, but right, it but wouldn't not have been the rest this. Of the year. But uh, I'm just, it just doesn't make. I don't care if. You got driven to that point of anger. You, it's up to you to control yourself, and he was not able to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to come back, and I'm glad he's going to come back. He's a terrific player. He deserves to play football. But let's not – I just feel like as time goes by, we tend to make excuses for people. No, yeah. man, the guy did his time. Good for him. Now he's back. So what's the angriest you ever got? I got angry field. a lot on the football field, but it was mostly at the refs, and I mostly <laughs> yelled stuff. And I talked trash to other players, but then at the end of the game, we always shook hands and said, hey, man. So well, you never got cheap-shotted oh, or no. Listen, that got you really Cheap mad. shots happen sometimes. And one t- Okay, Thomas Davis cheap-shotted me one time when I was down in New Orleans, and I stood up and I said, Tom. No, man, you don't do that. You don't hit me. You're a Walter Payton man of the year, man. No, I told him. I said, I said, I said, what are you doing? I said, he's throwing the ball over there. You, you just, there's no reason to hit me in the back while I'm in the flat, just because you want to. Like, don't do that. What he say? He actually said, my bad. Really? Yeah, he said my bad. Well, that's nice. Me and, me and Tom are cool, man. Tom. Yeah, he listen. He played for. He's still playing. He played forever. He's he's a great. He's he's a tremendous player. And yeah, he he gave me a cheap shot there. But when I when we talked about it, cooler heads prevailed, and that that's it. You know, I yelled at him. He. I'm really again, impressed him, that he responded that. You way. know, a lot of guys didn't like when I would cut block him. A lot of guys didn't like when I cut block him. And Ahmad Brooks one time, border. this was the closest I ever got to a fight. Ooh. Ahmad Brooks got took offense to me cutting him on the backside of an outside zone play. And he got up and he said something to me, and I said, stop whining, it's my... He said, 
He said, stay off my legs. This is my livelihood. And I said, stop whining. This is my job, too. You know? Ooh, good comeback. And uh, so, then, like so then after the game, I was talking to I had a running back coach who was in San Francisco at the time. He was from Shippensburg. His name's Jeff Nixon. Been all over the league. And I was talking to him after the game. And Brooks didn't see how I was talking to him. And he came up. He was like, you want to say something now? And I looked at him. And I was standing with one of his coaches. I don't think he realized it. And I turned to him. I said, listen, man, I'm sorry you took offense to that. But cut blocks, that's a part of the game. And... You know, I'm not trying to injure you, but that's that's what I'm being coached to do. And then he saw that the 49er coach was standing right there with me, talking with me, and and he just kind of he's like, okay, man, listen, this, you, all right, man, I get it. So that that was pretty close, and that was after the game. So that was that was one of those moments that you get a little get a little jittery because you feel like. The heat's turned up for a minute. <laughs> it's too bad you weren't still here for the year that he was in Green Bay and uh, managed like a sack and a half. Well, I won't talk about that. Uh, Should have kept Julius Peppers. That's that's me talking, not you. All right, so a couple of other NFL-related things. Now, you you texted me this. I did not, I did not see Mark Gastineau's comments about uh, Michael Strahan's mm-hmm. sack record. Yeah. But I was there for the sack record you, occurring. I knew you were, and that's why I wanted to bring this up to you. Don't bring it up to Tausch. I want to. Well, Don't I, bring it up to Tausch. No. It's a sore point with Tausch. Exactly. Tausch. Exactly. Like, this is not just Mark Gastineau talking. This is. This is everybody who's bit their tongue for a long, long time on this and how they feel. And if you read the article, in fact, Michael Strahan says he almost wishes he didn't get the sack record because too many times, far too often, he had the answer to questions of how does it feel to think that Brett Favre just gave you the record. Which he did. He yeah. called a running play and then kept the ball, and lo and behold, there was Michael Strahan to tackle him for the sack. And that offensive line, which was a very, very proud group, was really mad. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, we want to hold them without getting well, the record. Well, now Mark Gastineau, at the age of sixty-two, battling colon cancer, is really mad as well. He feels like he he swallowed his pride for twenty plus, well, twenty years almost. This year will be the twentieth right. year. He swallowed his pride for twenty years. Something that a prideful NFL player rarely does. And there's been a couple guys to tie him. I believe uh, Justin Houston and one other guy, I think, has tied him at 22 sacks in a season for second. But Michael Strahan with that 22-and-a-half is and, and will always stay the, the, the sack leader, knowing that, that Brett Favre gave Gifted. him, gave yeah, it him was, one. It was, that was... Can you think of any other records out there that kind of have an asterisk to him and i'm not talking about barry bonds right yeah i don't know because he really it's like it was like grooving a fastball to a guy who's like hit you know four home runs in a game so he can hit his fifth or something like that like it really was um and and i will never forget it those guys the only other time i saw that offensive line group which obviously i knew that group really well and i ended up doing a radio show with one of the members of it um, was after they lost the fourth and twenty six game in C- in Philadelphia because they had their fr- frustration was Mike Sherman the head coach at the time had told them at halftime if we get another fourth and one we're going for it and we're getting it and then they had a fourth and one late in the game and he chose to punt and they were really angry about that and so you know it's interesting because that is a group and I I know look Favre is great with all those guys now. But in the aftermath of that, 
those guys were really mad at him, like legitimately mad at their quarterback for doing that to them. And I would be too. No. I, I would be too. I would be furious if I was. Who was the running back? The Amon? I, was yeah, that Amon? Yeah, he was the only thing the I don't to? understand about that the the decision that Favre makes on that is who's it more important to be on the good side of, right? Like it's great to do a nice thing for some guy from the other team, but isn't it more important that your guys who you go to battle with every week? Aren't ticked. At well, I'm you. just torn by this. This takes me back to a few weeks ago after the passing of Kobe Bryant, and they were talking about the last game in which Kobe played in, and he scored 60 points, and he had 59 points, and he had one free throw left. And um, Gordon Hayward, Gordon who then Hayward, came out and denies this, by Gordon the way. Hayward steps over his his box line in order to to create a foul in case Kobe misses the free throw. He gets a second shot at sixty, and they claim that this is this is the love that great players have for great players in the NBA is they want to see greatness. But my argument is that's not seeing greatness. That's, that is manufacturing greatness, right. and that's. That's not greatness. That's just manufacturing. That's made for television type stuff right there. And it goes back. I, I, I can't help it. I feel the same way about the Mark Gastineau comments. I, I agree with him. I do, I, I do think that last sack by Strahan is manufactured. So when, when Gordon Hayward comes out and says, I didn't do that, do you think he's telling the truth? Or do you well, think Brett he's... came out after the game and said he didn't give That's him a true. sack. Exactly. So, so let's... Right. Let's make another comparison. Um, so another thing in the NFL realm, and and we haven't even gotten to the quarterback carousel yet. Are we are we going to do this again next week? Yeah, we can we can bank stuff. We don't have to. I think rush we should. Through. I think we should do another one because we can talk about the combine and your own personal journey to the NFL because it is one of my favorite stories, especially <laughs> the scam you ran to get your opportunity. Um, You're going to make me sound like a bad guy here, Jason. Only for a week until next <laughs> week's is available, and people have heard the story, love the story. Uh, but I want to hit on Antonio Brown, and then I want to talk a little bit about the quarterback uh, carousel that is going on. Uh, I saw a piece. I think it was from Doug Farrar that said that Randall Cobb, a former teammate of yours, who I know you like very much, and uh, another wide receiver who I can't remember who it was, um, have basically been trying to uh, reach out to Antonio Brown here in the offseason and help him. I mean, he's it's a scary place that he appears to have gotten to. And, I, again, personal I, responsibility, okay, so, et cetera, it's a struggle. So... I made an argument when the Patriots cut him that that was rock bottom, week two of the NFL season. Not even close for this guy. Right. And I will ask again, is this rock bottom? I don't think it is. And you hope so. You hope so. But he's on an apology tour right now to the Steelers, to the Patriots, to Tom Brady, to Ben Roethlisberger. He and, And he... This to me is is scary waters territory because if he doesn't get um, kind of that reciprocation that you know when you're going through twelve steps uh, of right. AA a part of it is is making amends amends right. with people and if he doesn't feel like the amends are being accepted. Or, or they're falling on deaf ears, that could be a very lonely place for this guy. He could be in scary waters territory if it doesn't go the right way. Um, I think he's reaping what he's sown. I think he's I made agree. his own bed. At the same time, boy, you hate to see a situation for a guy get so dire the way that it is with his family, 
with all the people and the police and all the all the departments right. around him and and just it's a scary scary business and boy it's and it's and it's headlines it's like a headline every week right and and if he wasn't a great NFL player there are people that probably go through similar stretches and do similar things but nobody cares about them because they can't catch a football and he obviously did for a very long time i mean i just i can't imagine getting to the place where he has without there being some mental illness that is involved but again you know and and this is not comparing the two cuz they're different and they're at different points in their lives but you know recently i had a friend send me an, another one of kabir baja biamila's videos and some of the things he's saying on there now i really you know he was frustrating to cover when you wanted to ask him what he did on a certain play and he told him and he said you know god gave me the strength that doesn't help me mm-hmm. but he was a very nice fellow yeah um and to see the straits that he's in in what appears to be a cult is alarming because you don't want to see anybody reach that point. So I just I I don't know who is going to be able to help Antonio Brown. I mean, right? His agent Drew Rosenhaus I, I left know, him. I, I know, and and it's scary to think, but I know one thing that could help Antonio Brown: football. Yeah. Football. Listen, when guys and I've seen a lot of teammates in my career, and and myself included, when things aren't going the way you like it in your life, there is one safe haven you can go to right. to to make all that wash away and and to kind of get some sense of stability back, and that's football. And I just like we said, I hope this is rock bottom. I hope he continues an apology tour. I hope somebody reaches that olive branch back out to him as well and gives him a chance to to fix this and and correct this thing because, I mean, you you, you see you saw it with Michael Vick in in the thirty for thirty with, right. with him. You know, Tony Dungy reached out the olive branch. He got one last chance with uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he ran with it. And he and he seems to have made a better name for himself, a better life for himself. He looks back at those times when when he did some some pretty dangerous bad the, things. The, the part about the, the when they so you and I both watched that. We were texting each other as we were watching part two. Um, I had DVR'd part one, so I do know how to use my DVR. Okay. Um, did you watch part two before part one? I did, because it was on live while I was working. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> you, the redemption how do you story... How function in your life? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's a, backwards. I'm a very difficult guy to deal with. Um, but it was... Look, for me, and, and they drew some racial discussion out of it and everything else, I, I, I don't... I, I'm not a big fan of um, the suggestion of, well, it's a cultural difference, right? There, you were, we heard a lot about that with the uh, Adrian Peterson story with his children, et cetera. I, I don't want to get into that. All I'm going to say is is that I was it was hard for me to relive that. I love a redemption story as much as anybody, but it was hard for me to relive the stories of those dogs. I mean, it was... Re- uh, at some point, your moral compass, I don't care what your cultural background is, you would like your moral compass to say, hey, wait a minute, this is not okay. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't reach that point. So that part was hard to watch. It's probably why I haven't watched part one now, even though it's on my DVR, because it is a great redemption story. I actually thought part one, 
if you haven't watched it, it's it's a lot lighter than part two as far as the dogs are concerned. It tells a little bit more about his background and where, how he was raised and where he, how he got to the superstar. I think for Michael Vick, as I watched this 30 for 30 as I diagnosed it, that was a he became so big, so fast, and it became so powerful in you know Southern Virginia because he's from Virginia Beach to Atlanta area, and he was such I mean he was larger than life. Right. And I think that power overcame him, and he just was an invincible figure in his mind. I believe Antonio Brown is very similar right. in that. I would agree. And, and, and when I go back and, and I think about that 30 for 30, and Vic talks about some of the the best thing for him in his life was when he was sweeping floors and cleaning the toilets late at night when everybody was sleeping, and then he slept in himself the next day while everybody else was up doing things. He, that, that was time for him to reflect and see at everything that he had lost in his life, everything that he had built and had taken for granted, and he became larger than life and threw away. And how can he get back to that? Well, suck it up. You know, admit your wrongs. Do the new right things that, right. that people... Not just say even, them. Even if you don't believe them, you're doing them, and and it, that's a part of the process. And and he did it. He did, and I think Antonio Brown, this this could he could have a similar redemption story if he took those steps. Yeah, I don't know if he will. Um, Andy Reid obviously was a colossal character in that story as well, giving him that chance with the Eagles. Which... Now, yeah. Now let me ask you a question: Would you, if you were a coach, give Antonio Brown? Or if you were a GM, would you give Antonio Brown a chance this year? I mean, how long does he have to pay? Now, he's been on indefinite. Well, he's not even on indefinite suspension. They just no. got released. Nobody brought him back because they were afraid of the indefinite suspension. Right. Um, I think he – I would love to see where he's at. Yeah. I just would be – like, you guys know how much I mean, chemistry did, matters. He did, listen, he did some pretty bad, vile things as well um, right. when, when you read some of the articles and some of the reports and stuff. But – I mean, we just talked about how let me answer Miles it this Garrett way. Yeah, deserves let me, let me, a, a comeback. Does does Antonio I think Brown you make a good a point. You make I think you made a good point about football being that safe haven. I remember Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre making the arguments on behalf of Johnny Jolly and Corin Robinson that you can't um, that you can't take away the structure for guys that need that structure at a time when they need it the most. The most. And so I, I um, it's almost as bad as spilling your coffee right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know. I, I can't say for certain that I would allow him, that I would want to sign him. I would like to, I'd like to see him get a second chance with somebody other than my team. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, we'll save the quarterback carousel discussion for next week because it'll still be spinning. But one person that I do want to ask about because you spent two years there is Drew Brees. Um, Some discussion that he may retire. He's got some offers to do TV, which is very lucrative and a lot less dangerous than playing quarterback in the NFL. Uh, They've got Taysom Hill, who's a restricted free agent. They had Teddy Bridgewater go 5-0 when when Brees was out with a thumb injury. Uh, What do you think is going to happen to your old Padnas down there in New Orleans? I don't think... Well, who do I think they're going to sign, or how do? Do you think Drew Brees is going to play? I mean, do you think he'll be back? I think Drew Brees comes back for one more season. I think so. Too. I think he does, and I think he's a competitor. But I think he'll make the best decision that that he believes is for him and his family. Now, when you talk about 
being an announcer and, and commentating and being color, I believe he could be great as well. And uh-huh. I'll tell you why, because what made Tony Romo so great when he first jumped on the scene was the fact that people have never seen that side of Tony Romo. The squeaky side, the excited side, the, hey, look at this, oh my gosh! You, you right. know, that side, the 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 real side of him it, yes yeah. it was there was no and and i believe if drew can do he could be just as great because people don't understand just how much of how just how drew is one of the guys and mm-hmm. he really is one of the guys because when he walks around he walks around larger than life but at the end of the day he is just one of the guys and i think that would come out in his voice so i think he'd be excellent at that as well i, I think so too i i just look back on you know, he won his Super Bowl the '09 9 season. You know, Aaron Rodgers wins it the 10 season. And he hasn't been back either. And he had the Minnesota Miracle. Then he had the controversial pass interference that wasn't called. This year they lose at home to the Vikings, which I didn't see coming. Um, but just in general, um, i got to think a competitor like him wants to give it one more shot at trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he had... a pretty darn nice year last year yeah, that's great the thing. Year. Yeah. He, he, it's not like when he um, was healthy and 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 yeah his arm's not as strong as it's been you know and his the, the the ball doesn't come out of his hand as fast okay but him and sean payton are able to game plan things around that and and not have it be a hindrance to to them i mean they're they're still very productive michael thomas made the most receptions in nfl history last year from drew Brees, well and teddy bridgewater and jason and a few other guys at the same time that'll do it for this week's edition of the john coon podcast you can catch us on itunes you can catch us everywhere you like podcasts including on wisconsin on demand and 620 wtmj's website we'll do it again next week even though we can, we're just gonna keep doing this you and i we're like Starsky and Hutch. I enjoy this podcast. I don't know why you ever thought that it was only going to go for as, as long as you thought it was going to go. Maybe it's because you don't. Because I don't your know name. your contract maybe situation. It's, maybe it's basically. because you don't have your name on it. Let's throw your name on this as well. Let's think of how a many new name. would we add like extra eyes to go with the extra use <laughs> in your name. It's a John Coon podcast. We'll be back next week.